0: Alrighty. Thanks for joining this week's edition of primetime previews where foot and I will be discussing a pretty interesting slate of games uh, starting off with our Thursday night game, which was a 21 to seven win for the Browns over the Steelers and a game that probably should have been uh, remembered for the fact that it kind of set the Brown season straight, but instead miles Garrett tried to um, kill a man. It seemed and that overshadowed the game. Now, Fud, I remember we talked over the weekend, and you had an interesting take on Miles Garrett.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The man was innocent. He was innocent, for sure. Um, yeah, that was crazy. It completely changed what this game was remembered as. Because to me, this was – I mean, that was a season-changing win for the Browns. But now the only people want to talk. About, only thing the people want to talk about is Miles Garrett acting in self-defense because Mason Rudolph was attacking the man. He was trying to rip his helmet off and do the same thing first. Miles Garrett just beat him to it.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong. Mason Rudolph definitely deserves uh, to get everything that came his way. Um, he was definitely in the wrong in terms of attacking a man that was much bigger than him. However, um, it's really hard to also argue that Mason or um, Miles Garrett was not in the fault, which I've seen a lot of fans do. And I just think that's asinine. I mean, at any point, you know, you get into those heated arguments in the football field. I'm sure you've been in it because as I've been in it as well, as we both played football, but I don't think either of us have ever taken a helmet and swung at another player as we both kind of realized that's outside the game of football. I assume you're finding that the same way.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that has – I love smash mouth football. I love football players' attitudes. going to show you who they are and what they're all about. But stuff like that's just selfish. I mean, no one remembers any big plays from this game because the only thing they remember is Miles Garrett freaking swinging a helmet around.
0: Yeah, Miles Garrett um... – just really changed not only the, the attitude of this game. I mean, there's, there's a lot of good things that came from this. Like, for example, Baker Mayfield, two touchdowns, no interceptions, only took one sack um, at a QBR of 66.9. Now, not while the best, but um, it's something to improve on. Nick Chubb, again, gets 92 yards. Odell Beckham Jr., Almost gets a touchdown. He gets taken away, um, but he almost gets a touchdown. They look like they're in it together, and then Kareem Hunt looks good. But Miles Garrett ruins what is a great win for the Cleveland Browns and is going to ruin his own um, reputation as a player. I don't think he's going to get the benefit of the doubt anytime moving forward, and I will be on- surprised if he is not suspended at least some next year as well.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, they've already said that this is the longest uh, suspension for an end game like, single incident. And, I mean, it's the rest of the season. It's the playoffs, so the Browns have a chance. And I don't exactly know how they're going to decide this off season if his time was uh, served or if he's got to, like, spend more time uh, missing football. I'm curious to see how the NFL is going to, I don't know, just judge if he served his punishment or not. Like what, is he supposed to be a model citizen now that uh, this happens, so that he can just get back on the football field faster? I don't really like that it was left up in the air like that.
0: Yeah, it's definitely an interesting area, and it's also a gray area just in terms of, like, that we've never been in this sort of situation. I mean, you have the Albert Hainsworth scenario where he raked the guy, uh, his face with his cleats, um, a lot of stitches there, but – That wasn't really in the same aspect as a helmet. You know, a helmet really, it, I don't know, it just is a really unique thing to see swung. And so we're just definitely in a unique area in terms of that level of violence. But moving away from just the whole Miles Garrett aspect, um, unless there's anything else you want to add to it.
1: No, we touched on that as much as we can. Miles Garrett was simply trying to help Mason Rudolph put his helmet on. Um, what, uh, what I kind of want to talk about next is Mason Rudolph and the fact (laughs) that for a starting quarterback, that game was the lowest QBR rating of the season. He threw a 10.8 QBR rating. I mean, yeah, isn't it
0: like 36.9? If you throw every single pass into the ground,
1: (laughs) just those four picks that he threw just destroyed it. Absolutely destroyed it. I remember last week we were talking about, uh, man, I forget what which receiver it was or which game, but they threw a pass and it was incomplete, and they ended up having a, a five-point-something QBR. I mean, that dude threw one pass into the dirt, and his QBR was almost as good as Mason Rudolph's 44 passes attempted. Didn't complete that many by any means.
0: Yeah, Mason Rudolph has definitely – Um, as a Steelers fan has really been an interesting character for me simply because I kind of got up into the hype that, you know, he was a big armed quarterback coming out of Oklahoma State University. He didn't have to play much because Ben's going to be there and then he's going to get the opportunity to play with a really good offensive line and a really good receiving core, or at least what I thought that they were going to replace with a re- good receiving core, because I thought James Washington was going to make that step, even though he has struggled the last two years. And while he's made at least decent strides, it seems the same thing over and over for J- or, um, James Washington. Deontay Johnson, their wide receiver they drafted, I thought was a tremendous pickup from Toledo, very fast receiver. Um, kind of really just fits the mold of what Pittsburgh likes to do is kind of get those – guys that are just shifty in the field and are able to just open up the the field and be really explosive. But Mason Rudolph now has shown that at least unless he is able to take the offseason, sit next year when Ben comes back and improve on his uh, problems, he's not a starting quarterback in this league. I think the four interceptions completely proven that. And this whole season so far that he has played has proved it.
1: Yeah, I don't think he's a starting quarterback in this league. I know he has been able to win, I mean, what, four or five football games. I think he's won four of them, and then the third-string dude ended up winning another one. But nonetheless, I mean, yes, he has turned this football team into an under-the-radar good team, but he's not a franchise quarterback, and no team should be wanting to throw him some money to see what he can build with them because I just don't think he has – what it takes to be a starting quarterback is the durability to be a quarterback in this league because he's already been beat the heck and back. I mean, defensive players love to hit the guy.
0: (laughs) He uh he could have died on that play. Just go back (laughs) to that real quick. That could have been it for Mason Rudolph. But you know, the thing about him is is that it it seems like the game just moves way faster than he can even process. Like He just has that look to him like he never had to learn anything ever. All he did was just show up, throw a football, and just win partied. Like, that's all he did. And now, like, it's getting to him. And he's starting to, like, really just get the shit kicked out of him. And he just doesn't look good in any aspect. But moving away from Mason Rudolph, because we've really spent all this time on two guys, I really kind of want to get into what are you looking at from the Browns? Is this? I mean, obviously Miles Garrett losing them, losing him it hurts. But is this? Are they back on track? Are they going to the playoffs, or are their season done? Done with?
1: No, the Browns aren't back on track. They're not going to go to the playoffs. Yes, this could have been a cheese or a season changing win, but. I think behind closed doors, that management of the team is having a really time, really hard time figuring out how to manage a team. I mean, it was You're like a wrong. few hours before kickoff, and they released Antonio Callaway, who was a pretty solid receiver for him for the past couple seasons. I I don't exactly know why.
0: I believe they that he him. Uh, I think he was on
1: like a NFL suspension or something, so they cut the dude. But wow, I don't know. I don't think they're gonna be. <laughs> I don't think we'll be talking about him for being a playoff contender anytime soon.
0: I believe he was cut because he had missed games or missed meetings, been late to meetings uh, that week, and that was like uh, multiple time that he had done it. And so they were just like, you're not worth it anymore. And plus, he wasn't really that good on the field anyways.
1: Yeah, Um, so – I'm reading right now that it says he served four-game suspension, so he had missed a lot of time with the team. He was late to some practices, this, that. But it mm-hmm. says that uh, he was benched by Kitchens for arriving late to Sunday's game against Buffalo. And then I guess he arrived late to another meeting, and then they just said, get out of here. We're tired of this.
0: Yeah, it, it, you know, that's... But it, is that, <clears throat>
1: I mean... Is that speak on his character or does that speak in the organization? Like there's the a lot of money and he just can't get himself to work on time. Is it because he doesn't like to play football or does he not like to go to the place he's working at? I think it's probably the second because I would as much as I love football, I would have a hard time working for the Browns too.
0: It's just they're they're so it's the organization. They've just they've just built it. And it's just so difficult to um, like win as an organization. There, I mean, it's just you look at Freddie Kitchens; He had all this hope coming in, and and basically what they did was they took this really talented team and gave it to a guy that had never coached, had been a head coach ever, ever. He had never he had never been an offensive coordinator before last year. And they just gave him the reins of this talented team. And, I, you know, he started out at the beginning of the year. We're going to be tough. We're going to be tough. They're the most they're the most penalized team in the league week in and week out. The, the uh, beginning of the season, Greg Robinson stepped or kicked some uh, – I can't believe yeah, who they played week one, but he kicked that guy. One of the guys that got suspended for two games, I believe.
1: Yeah, I remember watching that. I do. It wasn't even subtle. He just straight like, kicked the dude in the face mask. This is
0: a culture thing. It's a culture yeah. thing, dude.
1: It's hard to win when your players can't get up to come to work because they just don't enjoy being there.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, Baker Mayfield has not made it easy on himself either. And that's the thing is that he has this mentality of it's me against the world, and then he gets upset when it's literally the world coming at him. It's like, uh, it, it's mind boggling sometimes, but you, I mean, I, I appreciate the way the guy acts. I think it's great that he stands up for himself, but sometimes he just goes out for unnecessary shots and then just causes backlash. Bolting board material that in the NFL, anybody is looking for that extra step to just rip your head off. So, um, Is there anything else you want to add about this Browns-Steelers uh, game before we move on?
1: Uh, I think both of these teams looked bad <laughs> this week. Um, but I also think both of these teams are gonna win this coming Sunday because Steelers play the, the Bengals, the Browns play the Dolphins. That's two winnable games, um, so I think that's what I think that's gonna be an or what is it? AFC dominated day, AFC North.
0: Yeah, um, I I kind of agree with you that the that both of those games seem like the Steelers and the Browns can win, and it's gonna be interesting too because they both play the following week. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they change what they do in two weeks. I have to say this, though. I do not like them playing two games in a three-week span. Uh, It just seems like the schedule was just poorly put together. And I realize that they've done this a lot with other teams. And, like, they're doing it with the – well, the Browns play the Bengals uh, two times in four weeks. But it just seems like – they shouldn't play back to back so much. But that's just my opinion. Moving on to the game that we both were pretty excited about. Um, it was the Los Angeles Rams beating the Chicago Bears 17 to 7. And this means that I don't have to do push-ups. Yeah,
1: I'm pretty upset about that. Uh That kind of ruined my Sunday night. I really wanted to see you do push-ups, and I had a hard time enjoying the fourth quarter of this game when the Bears crapped down the legs and freaking lost it. I wanted to see you do push-ups, man.
0: Well, let me just start by saying that it is an absolute disgrace that this was a primetime game.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you're not wrong. We watched plenty of better football games Ah. Sunday, not counting this one.
0: I think that you and I, as opposite quarterbacks in this game, could have performed better, or at least more entertaining. At least that. I, it's just Jared Goff. I mean, I was a big Jared Goff supporter. I thought that he, I thought he was great in Cal. I thought he was great at Cal, and I was like, this is a guy that can really make it in the league. Comes to the Rams, doesn't look really good under Jeff Fisher. I'm like, Jeff Fisher kind of sucks. They pick up Sean McVay. Sean is amazing with him. But now it's just Jared Goff can't do anything. He hasn't progressed. It's still just same old rookie Jared Goff.
1: It was almost the end of the second quarter besides someone other than Todd Gurley touched the football. The entire first quarter and half the second quarter, only Todd Gurley was moving the football. I mean, Jared Goff wasn't even attempting to throw the ball to other receivers. He was running it. And then when he did pass, it was just a check down. Uh, Freaking Todd Gurley, I mean, he looks like he's lost his confidence. I don't know. I thought he—I was impressed with the first two, two, three seasons he was in the league, and I heard people making speculations that is he going to make his jump for or to the MVP conversation before the season started, and now I mean he threw eleven passes on a prime time game. Like, <sighs> that's bad. That's that's a scared quarterback to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be be fair, he threw it 18 times. He completed it 11.
1: Ah, well, you know what? If it wasn't for Todd Gurley, the Rams would have lost.
0: Well, well, I'm so confused there for just a second. Were you (laughs) talking about Jared Goff or Todd Gurley, or both?
1: Uh, I started by talking about how Bad, Jared Goff played, and how I'm not impressed. Okay, with him. all
0: right, that's what and I thought. And then you
1: corrected me on how many times he threw the ball, and I said, "Well, if it wasn't for Todd Gurley, the Rams would have lost." All right,
0: I see. You're not wrong. In fact, <laughs> and maybe if the Bears didn't have Mitchell Trubisky, they would have won. Um,
1: I, I said that. I said if Chase Daniel started that started and played the entire game, I thought the Bears would have won. I and then. That one pass or that one series Chase Daniels came in for. I mean, hey, he threw nine yards, like not bad. I wish he would have played the whole time. Yeah, nine yards. I mean
0: <sighs> averaged.
1: He got sacked twice, but the one time he was able to throw the ball, he threw for nine yards.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong. He really did. He was wonderful throwing the football. Um he is I think the starter moving forward. It's what I think everyone has gotten from this game because Mitchell Trubisky uh, found himself sitting on the bench for an unrelated reason that they weren't really specifying, but they were really sure to let you know that they weren't benching him. That's usually the first sign that they're benching him.
1: Yeah. So they took him out of the game and it didn't say anything while the game was going on uh, of why he was pulled out of the game, but they made it known that he wasn't being benched. And the social media people, for the Bears, they tweeted out that uh, he left the game because he had a hip injury. And I remember the cameras even zooming in on him, showing him walking off the field and the game was over. And they're saying, does that look like a man with a hip injury or (laughs) is that a guy that just got benched? And then they kind of even said, we don't know if he's actually hurt or not, but nonetheless, it it is going to be Chase Daniels moving forward.
0: The it, And it's going to be really interesting because this is going to be the changing point in his career because it's essentially he'll have maybe one more shot and I doubt it will be with the Bears unless Chase Daniels is just absolutely trash and they're just like, screw it, you can play because we have nothing to play for. Even though, actually, they don't get their first-round draft pick, so they have absolutely nothing to – they have no incentive whatsoever to even tank. I guess Daniels yeah. will probably stay in there anyways, but Trubisky will probably find himself a new home in the offseason. And I imagine that'll be the last of him because he he will not be good. He just uh, it, I
1: think he, I think his career is gonna be similar to what we're seeing out of Blake Bortles. I mean so much talk about all potentially has to be really good and then, you know, he he gets cut by a team and now he's a backup quarterback. Um, I think Trubisky will get signed to buy another team if he does get cut. Another team's going to pick him up, but I can't see him being a starter and becoming a Hall of Famer. I can. Who would you take, Mitchell Trubisky
0: or Mason Rudolph?
1: What is it? Who would you
0: take, Mitchell Trubisky or Mason Rudolph?
1: Um, I'm going to say Mitchell Trubisky only because I. I've seen him play a little more than I have Mason Rudolph. And last season, Trubisky looked like he could have been a franchise quarterback, but this season, what in the world is he doing?
0: Uh yeah, it, I would probably also take Mitchell Trubisky as well. Um but, and that's just just that just makes me disgusted with myself. You know, I don't understand what's wrong with him. And the only thing that I can imagine what really has happened to the bears is that Matt Nagy has now been figured out a little bit more. And so he can't be as gimmicky can't do as well offensively. And on top of it, they lost Vic Fangio. And while uh, I believe Chuck Pagano is their defensive coordinator, while he is a, a really good defensive coordinator. I mean, Vic Fangio was transcendent and on top of it, they also lost Adrian Amos and just the whole defense kind of changed, but Mitchell Trubisky, it looks like he is a completely different quarterback. It's insane. I've never seen the switch on a quarterback like this. And and you say Blake Bortles, and, I, and not that Blake Bortles was amazing by any stretch of the imagination, but Blake Bortles did kind of play pretty decent his first year and then his second year decent as well, and then had to the drop off by his... Well, I guess, actually, that's about the same as Mitch Trubisky, so never mind. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're right. I keep forgetting Mitch Trubisky's been in the league for three years. I keep thinking this is his second year in the league. But, so yeah, maybe that's exactly what has happened then. Maybe he's just been uh, found out, and uh, he just doesn't want to watch the TVs. So um, The Bears, though, they are they're in panic mode right now. They have to be, right? This is this is basically what are they going to do?
1: You know, um, yeah, what are the Bears going to do? I mean, they got inside the Rams 35 their first three series of the game and did absolutely nothing with it. Uh, so I saw a really funny thing posted by the Bears' social media. Um, they posted their long snapper, their holder, and their kicker, and – I, I don't know what song it was, it was just those three and Long Snapper Snap Two Holder, who caught it, and the three of them just kind of started dancing and did like a conga line. And uh, like the Brown or the Bears social media tweeted out and they said something along the lines of don't expect this group to miss another kick the rest of the season. And then the <laughs> next two times that unit stepped on the field. They missed a 48-yard field goal and a 47. And uh, I'll have to share that tweet with you, see if we can retweet it on our account, because I thought it was hilarious.
0: Well, that is just, I mean, it. this is something, and that really goes in line with what I kind of want to talk about, is that the Bears have done themselves no service on this whole kicking fiasco by constantly bringing it up and focusing on it. Even in the way that, that Nagy did it in the offseason, which a lot of people could look at and say, well, it's, it's wonderful that he focused completely on kicking and had all these kicking competitions because that's the only way you're going to make a guy really good. And when in reality, that's just not how kicking is. It's a really big mental game. And when you keep just bringing up, hey, dude, you missed kick after kick, and then we can't miss any more kicks because we lost uh, because of a missed kick and you just make this big deal about it, now you've got this kicker, Eddie Panero, where every time that he misses, regardless of how good he was before or whatever, it's going to be, oh, do the Bears have kicking woes again? And the Bears have basically dug themselves this own hole, and I really don't feel bad for their kicking errors because it's almost laughable at this point how bad they're at uh, kicking, and they've just jinxed themselves yet again on social media. So,
1: <laughs> Oh, really it funny. is laughable and I'll make sure I get that uh tweet posted up on our account so that we can all laugh about it and uh just find some joy in the bears pain and struggles
0: um you not a really good a game for anybody uh statistically I mean you had Tariq Cohen gets thirty nine yards on nine carries David Montgomery gets the ball fourteen times but he only gets thirty one uh you know, Todd Gurley has 97 yards and 25 carries. So he had a touchdown, though. That was pretty good. So did Malcolm Brown on five for 15. But Goff didn't do anything exciting. No touchdowns, a pick. Mitch Trubisky, one touchdown, one pick. Um, I mean, no stat line really stands out. Um, Aaron Donald, though, did have two sacks. Continue. You know, let's talk about him for just a second because both of us, defensive linemen, and I think we both kind of appreciate it more than just even the people that are watching it and are maybe football fans, but as playing the sport to dominate the way that he has from the position that he has defensive tackle. It's unheard of. And he is unstoppable. It's yes. just remarkable.
1: I, I'm so impressed with the dude. He is completely changing the way defensive tackles are supposed to play football now. Statistically, defensive tackles don't get a lot of sta- sacks and they don't really get a lot of tackles. But this guy, I mean, he gets a lot of sacks and he gets a lot of tackles. And uh, I coach D-line, so I kind of try to study him and learn a lot from him so I can teach to my players because the dude is so smart. And what amazes me is how big he is. His philosophy for playing his position is you win the short and the small battles, meaning – he doesn't try to do a whole lot. He capitalizes on his first two steps and his first two body movements. And that's usually all it takes for him to beat an offensive lineman is that like inside his kind of shoulder frame, he doesn't really work too far outside of his body. And he just takes those two fast short steps and he beat the offensive lineman. It's nuts to watch this guy play, dude. I love it. And it was really exciting to see him play against the Bears defense, who has a lot of stud D tackles too for – A person who loves to watch the trenches, I did enjoy that aspect of the game.
0: Yeah, Aaron Donald is uh, one of my favorite players. And I remember, I think it was 2013, he was drafted. And I remember when he was coming out of Pitt, I wanted him so bad to fall to Pittsburgh because I had a feeling about this guy. I'd watched his game film a little bit. And didn't really watch him at all in any real games, but it just heard that this guy was explosive and he wasn't really big. So it kind of like took me off as why would they take this defense tackle? I saw the work ethic he had, just the ability he had. Um, And I mean, he's a ripped motherfucker anyways. So the dude is amazing, an amazing athlete. And is like you said, an absolute joy to watch him dominate uh, tackles or offensive linemen uh, week in and week out. So moving forward to the game that we just watched as we're recording this Monday night, um, the Kansas City Chiefs go to 7-4 and four as they beat the 4-7 and seven Chargers 24-17. to 17. Um, You know, one thing that's kind of interesting about this whole week is while they were exciting games and simply the fact that They kind of had some interesting storylines. They had a horrible quarterback play, and Phillip Rivers threw four interceptions. I think Phillip Rivers is done for. And just real quick on Patrick Mahomes, he continues to impress. But Phillip Rivers, he's got to be done right, Fudd.
1: Yeah, Phillip Rivers. I mean, he lost them the game tonight in more ways than one. Not only did he lose them the game in a sense, he threw the game ending pick when it could have been the game tying or game winning touchdown. Uh, that was just one aspect of it. It just, because the Chargers made, they had a lot of offensive yards tonight and they made a lot of big plays and they had a lot of bright points. But whether it was him throwing one of his four picks or them getting a huge run, getting called back because of a penalty or making a huge defensive stop, but then giving up pass interference, very next play. That team just kept shooting themselves in the foot tonight, and it was, it was painful to watch because, like, like I said all season, I've low key rooted for the Chargers to do something good, and they just haven't. I wanted the Chargers to win this game so bad because the Chiefs and the Raiders are neck and neck for their division, and I mean, I want to see if you can steal the playoff spot, and the Chargers ain't helping.
0: The the Chargers are again. An interesting, it's actually really interesting. I listen to this radio show on ESPN called the Dan LeBitard Show. But they have a thing where they always talk about how Phillip Rivers down a touchdown under two minutes. It's like the most common thing ever. And I've started just like kind of watching, and just seeing if it's true. You have to look at how many times he has the ball. Down seven under two minutes. Kind of like odd and bizarre how often he is trailing and yet has a chance. But it it just seems to always occur. Now, in this case, again, he did not win. It seems to kind of be the way it's been lately for him. Now, granted, he did have a good year last year. They started off kind of poorly, but they picked it together towards the end. Won a playoff game against the Ravens. Kind of made everyone be like, look, Lamar Jackson sucks. Wow, we were wrong. Um, but Phillip Rivers now has thrown, I believe he threw three last week. He's now thrown uh four this week, so seven in the last two weeks, and he's just not been very good at all. He isn't, I've never looked at Phillip Rivers this season and been like, wow, he is the Phillip Rivers from like 2012. And I, I, I know you're a supporter, but you have to see the same thing, right?
1: Yeah, Phillip Rivers is on his way out of the league, he's he's looked really bad. Um, he's just struggled to still be competitive. And I know they referenced during the game tonight when he got the ball at the end of the game with like, what was it? 50 something seconds left. I think, no, it was like a minute flat when he got the ball back. um, They referenced him always having our two minutes and uh, seeing what he could do in this moment. And It was just bad, but because that drive only was alive because that insane 50-yard catch, that was nuts. That was the only reason why that drive got so close to the end zone, though, is because of one insane catch. Um, Phillip Rivers has been bad, but we do have to give him credit because he did break a record tonight. Or maybe not a record, but he kind of helped his legacy out in a sense that for the past 14 seasons – he has thrown for 3,000 yards, and, uh, and the third quarter tonight was when he threw for 3,000 yards this season, so that tacked on 14 seasons in a row. The dude's thrown for 3,000 yards, so good for him,
0: but you played like know, I, crap tonight. Yeah, he has. He's just played like absolute shit. Um, I've always thought it was really funny. Not that like, you know, obviously 3,000 yards is impressive, but like, it just seems like yards is just a weird statistical measurement for like something that really necessarily doesn't mean anything or matter. Like yards are great for just the idea of it. And I know that you might view it a little bit differently for your whole Drew Brees aspect that yards just prove that he's the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. Um, But I, I think he's really good. I don't necessarily think he's the best ever. He's got very good talent, but that's another conversation the other day. Um, yards just to me seems like a weird statistic to, um, like you have, but granted, I mean, it it is a, it is a a good statistic to show he's been in this league for a long time. He's been at a high level for a long time. 3000 yards is nothing to scoff at in terms of being able to do that consistently. Now you can have a guy throw 3000 yards here and there, but to be able to do it consistently like he has is a very good thing. Um, it just seems like now we're at the end and it seems like all of these old quarterbacks are kind of at the end and it's just, we got to hang on and, and we got to keep playing and, and I'm kind of ready to see what the next level of the NFL is going to look like because the Lamar Jackson, the Deshaun Watson's the Patrick Mahomes, all these guys are exciting to watch. And they're going to be the future of the league when Philip Rivers and Tom Brady and Drew Brees and, and big Ben, and guys like that end up hanging it up.
1: Yeah, it's definitely interesting to, I mean, kind of sit here and just realize that we are moving on to the next generation of quarterbacks. And so far, the ones that we've seen, they're a lot different than the quarterbacks we're used to. Uh, before we get on that note, though, I want to go back to the yards conversation we're just having. While we're talking about yards, I want to point out Malvin Gordon had 69 rushing yards tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh Nice. Yes, but anyways, we are in the age of new quarterback play. And to me, it's kind of scary, man. I don't know. These quarterbacks are doing all new things that we've never seen before. We're used to seeing Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, all those guys just stand in the pocket and throw the ball. But now we're seeing Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, uh, Patrick Mahone running RPO stuff and just – making plays where you think nothing can happen, the defense shut that play down, and then they just turn it into a 10-yard, 30-yard gain. It's crazy to see what, I mean, this new age of quarterbacks are going to be able to do because they're throwing left-handed when they're right-handed quarterback. They're throwing side arms when their eyes are closed. It's nuts.
0: Patrick Mahomes is the perfect example of what you're talking about because he is that guy that is just sensational to watch. And you kind of really just sometimes say, wow, what did he just do? And then Lamar Jackson does the exact same thing. You're just, wow, he just made four guys miss, threw it off his back foot perfectly in the end zone, touchdown, just insane. But when you think about Phillip Rivers, Peyton Manning, even Tom Brady, I mean, they've had amazing throws where they've extended the play and they've you know, bought themselves time, but never where they've run back there with their heads cut off like a chicken. And they're just making people weave back and forth. And, you know, maybe it might just be because when they were younger, we were younger and we don't remember watching them play as much, or maybe it's just a different era as well, that now just passing is just allowed to do it more. But Patrick Mahomes type quarterbacks are very exciting to watch. And I mean, just another game like this proves it because while he wasn't amazing by any means, he made really sensational plays when needed to the most. And uh, had 55 or 59 yards on five carries, so got, got it done on the ground. And had a 24-yard run, just like you said. Probably turned that from, you know, it was just a nothing play. I can't exactly remember it, but it was probably just a nothing play that he turned into something. Oh, it
1: was, just... it was at the very end of the game. It was a great play call. And, I mean, like I said before, I coach football, so – Anytime in the film room breaking it down, uh, all that play was, was they ran like a flood concept to the right. Uh, this, this is at the end of the game when they're just trying to eat the clock out so they can win. They ran a flood concept towards the right sideline, and once everybody cleared out, he just ran up to the left sideline because it was wide open, just waiting for people to crash. He got an easy first down. And I know in the film room coaching, for me, we're always pointing that out to the quarterbacks. We're always pausing that and saying, you see all this room you could have ran. Yes, it wasn't that 20-yard, 30-yard pass you're trying to throw, but it's still a first down that our team needs. And Patrick Mahone, from last season to this season, I think he's starting to recognize stuff like that a lot more. Like, yes, he's always been able to make those crazy throws, but I think his vision is getting better in the sense that sometimes he doesn't need to make those crazy throws because he can just pull it and run for that easy first down. If the defense is going to give it, the dude's going to see that and take it. And I, I think that's why the Chiefs were so dominant and competitive late in the game was because Patrick Mahone's vision was only getting better with the more reps that he was getting. And really, the more the charges were showing him, I mean, he just started taking advantage of that. And it went from a low-scoring game to a pretty high-scoring game relatively quick.
0: Yeah, he is extremely fun to watch. And he's just – he makes – he makes – uh games interesting really quickly and sometimes it can just be like you know oh man it's been two quarters the chargers have him bottled up like is he is he gonna get out and then just you know two plays and it's just boom you know two touchdowns just real quick or you know 59 yards just down the sideline and it's just like wow what are we doing like and all of a sudden the the chiefs are attacking i mean he's just he's gonna be really fun to watch he's probably one of my favorite quarterbacks moving forward to the next couple of years so i'm pretty I was pretty sad when he got hurt um I'm glad that he's doing better um I hope it does not impact him moving forward because when he is playing football it is fun to watch man it is fun to watch nothing else really of importance in this game I feel like maybe except for Travis Kelsey kind of had a really big game 92 yards on seven catches for a touchdown um Austin Eckler had eight catches for 108 yards. No touchdowns, though, with a long – 37 was targeted 12 times, though. Um, Same with Keenan Allen, who you were texting me beforehand. Did you end up losing your fantasy uh, game?
1: No, no. So, I did win. Uh, So, yeah, this is a very high-scoring fantasy league. So, uh, you get points for first downs, and every five yards you get a point. So, it's high-scoring. But uh, I was up by, like, 60, 70 points, and the dude had – Keenan Allen, and he had uh, Hunter Henry. And at the first part of the game, I was sitting there kind of laughing. I was like, ha, 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 Philip Rivers keeps throwing picks. Like, I'm going to win. Well, then come the last six minutes of the game, I'm texting you, I need this game to end because if either of those dudes get one more catch, I lose. Um, <laughs> thankfully, they did not because Phillip Rivers, like I said, just kept throwing picks, so. Thank you, Philip Revers, for doing that for me. Uh, but one interesting angle of this game I, I've noticed now is going into this game right before kickoff, the Chiefs and the Raiders have the exact same record. They're both six and four. Uh, I mean, now the Chiefs are seven and four, Raiders are six and four still. But the Chiefs go into a bye week, and as soon as they come out, they're going to play the Raiders. So we need to keep an eye on that game because I think that's going to be a really big one because if the Raiders can win this week, that's going to be them battling for first place in their uh, conference.
0: The Raiders are good, and that will be a really fun game to watch. I still think the Chiefs win, though. I think the Chiefs win the AFC West, and I honestly believe – I don't think they necessarily have the defense to get them there. I think it's a, a little bit better than last year, maybe missing the pass rush a little bit. Now They did grab Frank Clark. I think he's a little overrated, um, but you know it is what it is when it comes to that point, and you kind of have to play with what you got when you're the Chiefs. But I think Patrick Mahomes kind of gets them over the edge, anyway. So I definitely think he's going to have them going. Um, now we're going to move into probably the most exciting slate of games I think we've talked about just from a just from a big name. And then again, like this is what I was talking about a couple of weeks ago, or I think it was last week that this is where games start works to get into the season or part of the season where games matter. And we know who teams are and even like a Colts versus Texans game, which is Thursday night, maybe is not super exciting, but you've got two, six and four teams and the winner is leading the AFC uh, eat or South. So I'm taking the Colts in this game. Um, I don't necessarily want to bet. Maybe we'll bet on the Packers and 49ers game, but I'm taking the Colts in this game. I think Brissette, um and the Colts are a better team. I think the Texans have a better quarterback, but I think the Texans have kind of faced some injuries and they just got shellacked by Baltimore and the Colts kind of did the opposite. And I just think the Colts are going to win. So what is your prediction coming into this game?
1: Huh. You know, this is an interesting game. And, yes, it's not two dominant teams squaring off, but it's two playoff contenders, you know. This is a big game for both teams if they want to make a playoff run. And I think the Houston Texans are built a little bit better. To, I think they're built better to do that. Uh, but I can see the Colts winning this game too. I, I, I think I'm going to say the Colts are winning. Hmm. Nope, I'm going to change it. Houston's getting this one. I have a lot of faith in Deshaun Watson in prime time. Uh, I think the Colts, I I really like their own line. I really like their defense. But when it comes to the star positions, they don't really have that. Their quarterback, I mean, their quarterback retired before the season even started. (laughs) T.Y. Hilton's hurt. They don't really have...
0: So oh, I did not realize T.Y. was hurt
1: there. So, I'm going to say that Houston's winning this one only in the sense that, yeah, their team's kind of beat up and there's not a lot of, uh, what, I don't know, not a lot of depth on their team in the sense, but with Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins, like, how could he not bet on those guys when they're playing prime time? Especially when the other matchup is Brissette and – I don't even know the other receiver. I really don't.
0: Uh I believe it's Pascal. Is there other receiver? Yes. I thought I thought T. Y. Hilton was playing this game. Is
1: he playing
0: I, this game? He's not listed on their injury report. Uh unless it's oh well, maybe I gotta go to full injury report. Here we go. Let's see. Go to the Colts Red.
1: Well, if T.Y. does play, that only helps the Colts' offense because – Oh,
0: nope, T.Y. Hilton's out.
1: T.Y. Hilton's out. Uh, Marlon Mack's out. I mean, he just got surgery on his hand. Like, like,
0: Colts – Pierre Desir, Jesus Christ.
1: The Colts have a really good defense. They have a really good O line, but those star positions, the quarterback, running back, wide receiver, like that. that's where they're lacking at. So you know, I, I think Deshaun Watson is gonna be able to pull out the dub. He needs to. He's he's played great this season, but he's had a couple I mean, they played bad against the Ravens. So he needs to come out and make a statement game.
0: Um yeah, the 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 game that he had against the Ravens is gonna have gonna be like a lot of Deshaun Watson hater fuel. And I'm not a Deshaun Watson hater. I think he's a very fantastic quarterback. I just think right now, to be honest with you, just the way football is. It just seems like the Colts are going to win it. I don't really have anything going with it. And now that, you know, maybe with all these injuries, I'm kind of rethinking it. Um, Sean Watson, I think I heard today, um, last night was the first time in his career that he, or not last night, yesterday was the first time in his career that he played an entire game start to finish and lost by. Seven or more than seven points, including college. Now that's insane to think of. That's a winner. That's a guy who's always in games. But I, I, I do think it's going to be close. But I think the Colts are going to are going to win this. I just, I don't know why. I just have a feeling that the Colts are going to win it. Though it's just a weird divisional game. They shouldn't win it. and It seems like they will, in my opinion. So what I'm going with there. I think I think Brissett, by the way, is a much better quarterback than people give him credit for. So.
1: I do, too. I have a lot of faith in him. I don't I don't see teams sh- throwing him a lot of money and begging him to stay for a long time, but I, he's locked down that position for as long as he's needed to. I mean, last season when he had to play a lot, now this season, like, the guy can play, that's for sure. Nonetheless, Deshaun Watson can play better. Like you're saying, the guy does not lose. That's why he's going to pull out the dub this week.
0: Yeah, you're probably right, and I'm glad we're not betting
1: on it, but, you know. <laughs> But I'm always right.
0: Yeah. The uh, over under this game is 45 and a half. Uh, That's about a little bit more than uh, three touchdowns each team. Um, You think that'll, you think the over's hitting or the under's hitting there, bud? Hmm.
1: Three. I, I don't think both teams, I don't think there'll be six touchdowns total. I think it'll probably be a relatively low scoring game.
0: All right. Uh, just so you know, the Texans are favored at three and a half points. you think they cover, or you think the uh, Colts lose or win by uh, or lose by less than three and a half?
1: Yeah, the, the Texans will beat him probably by a touchdown or two. Deshaun Watson to him, this is a statement game. He's trying to he's trying to make everybody forget about the Baltimore loss. So I, I think this is going to be his statement that. Hey, we're we're still a playoff contender, and we're going to make this team look bad.
0: Um, I kind of am really excited about the next game, uh, the Sunday night game, so I kind of don't really have much more to talk about this. Is there anything else that you want to add about this Colts-Texans game, or do you just want to get right into the Packers versus the 49ers?
1: Yeah, let's go. Let's go into the Sunday night game, dude. This was flex, so. I believe that was the first flex game of the year, meaning it's starting to get into competitive football season. Uh, It it was originally supposed to be Seahawks and Eagles, and now we're going to watch Green Bay and 49ers. Either either one of those games would have been a treat, but this one's definitely – there's more meaning behind this game.
0: This game, in my opinion, is a NFC uh, Conference Championship preview. I predict both these teams to go far. Now, I know you're a Saints fan. You don't like hearing it. Now, I don't think that the Saints are bad by any means. I just think that Drew Brees is a little banged up, a little banged up, uh, and uh, Aaron Rodgers with the with a really good running game and a good defense late in the, late in playoffs. I mean, it's hard to beat him and the. Niners defense is legit. Now, granted, I could see the Saints making it as well. I wouldn't be surprised either way. But in my opinion, this is an NFC conference championship preview. And I'm excited, man. Just like you said, we're getting to competitive football. This is like we're in – this is like early Christmas in my opinion. So I'm very pumped. Aaron Rodgers one of my favorite quarterbacks I always watch, and I love the Green Bay Packers in primetime. And the 49ers, man, they're just a fun team to watch. So I'm excited for this.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is definitely uh it has the caliber to be um a playoff football game. I don't think it's NFC Championship caliber. No way cuz I mean they're, like you're like you were I don't even know, like you were trying to deny the best team in NFC isn't playing in this game, so it's not NFC Championship caliber. Uh but it'll be a high-scoring game, I think. I think Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy G. I think both of them are going to be throwing for upper 300 yards, uh, probably about four touchdowns each team. It's, I think this is going to be a really good game. Um, the the 49ers defense have been giving up a lot of points recently, and I mean, they've kind of they've kind of came down to the wire in their past two games, so. I don't know. This is going to be a shootout, I think. Aaron Rodgers is – I don't think he's going to struggle moving the ball. Um, But I think the 49ers are just going to stay competitive. Jimmy G will – I don't know. I'm curious to see what he's going to do because he's had big stats this season. Um, But yet, I just don't think of him as a big stat type of quarterback –
0: yeah, Jimmy G definitely struggles in that area of putting up the big stats. Now he has 18 touchdowns, 10 interceptions—not the best. You really don't want 10 interceptions, especially about now. You probably want 10 in probably about three or four weeks. Um, if you're a real quick quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, 17 touchdowns, two interceptions. But I mean, I'm not comparing Jimmy Garoppolo to Aaron Rodgers. We both know <laughs> he's not that—he's not in that level of uh echelon. Now, here's an interesting thing because. I did not know this, and maybe this might be new to information to you, and I'm assuming it is. Green Bay has no injuries. None. They are a fully healthy team at in uh, week 12. Week 12. Well,
1: they're, they're coming off of their bye week, so I'm not surprised that the players had a chance to get rested, but that's probably the first time this entire season that they've had a fully healthy team. I mean, they've they've been – beaten up this year. Like, Devontae Adams has missed so many games because of a toe injury. Like, there was points that their receiving core was, I mean, it was beaten up. So, I'm glad to hear that it's a healthy team because I want to see a good matchup. I mean, I I want to see a playoff football game this week.
0: The most exciting part about this game, in my opinion, is going to be Aaron Rodgers and Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa, I think you've heard me say it, is a sensational player. Absolutely extraordinary that Mr. Bosa has two children who are dominant pass rushers in the NFL. Game-changing pass rushers in the NFL. That's insane to think about. I've watched those kids' highlights when they were at St. Thomas Aquinas, however you say the name of the school they went to. It was insane. They just bullied kids and... Nick Bosa has a chance if he can get to Aaron Rodgers, in early, I think the Niners will probably win this game. However, I gotta go with my man Aaron Rodgers. That's who I'm going with to win this game. I'm I'm gonna pick him by a touchdown. I think I think Green Bay they got something to prove this game. They want to prove that they're the top team to beat in the NFC.
1: I'm I'm gonna agree with you. Green Bay is winning this game. Um, they are com- They're coming off their bye and and uh i they got a healthy team apparently like why would they not win they they should be firing on all cylinders they they understand how big of a football game this is and the 49ers like the past two games it's came down to the wire so i i mean they're they're exposed i think Aaron Rodgers is going to take advantage of it and finally give them um finally give them what what we've what i thought was going to happen this week i thought they were going to lose again this week so I hope Aaron Rodgers is able to go out there and do that. I need I need for him to expose that defense a little more so that Drew Brees can game plan for when they meet up against 49ers.
0: Um, Aaron Rodgers is going to, in my opinion, take over this game. I think – and Aaron Jones as well. Aaron Jones is the key. I think he's been what has been making Aaron Rodgers and this Green Bay Packers team so deadly this year is that they can go from uh, – Handing the ball off to him twenty-five times a game and he consecutively gets yards. And then if they need to, they can just hand it. They can, you know, hey Aaron, can you put it? Can you put it perfectly in this guy's hands while he's streaking down the field? Absolutely, coach, I can do that for you and just puts dimes everywhere on the field. It's insane to watch him operate the game.
1: We're watching different football games if you're seeing people streaking down the field. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember seeing
0: that. I had some glasses I have, I'll have to send them your way. They're fantastic. <laughs> now, Devontae Adams, who has been missing some big games this year because of a turf toe injury or toe injury related. So I'm not exactly sure. It's turf, turf toe. Man, I just looked over and thought I saw someone and just had a panic attack. Wow, that freaked out. Um, it was me. Yeah, it was me. That's me. Ooh. Look out the window. I'm here. I just, ah, man, my heart is racing. I thought someone's face was right there. Anyways, Devonte Adams has done a fantastic job though. When on the field, especially in the red zone and Aaron Rodgers' favorite target out there with, uh, the other guys that they've kind of developed the rep or he's developed the repertoire with. I believe that this is a team that has an absolute chance to dominate this game. Now, granted the 49ers are still good, But a couple plays here and there, and Rodgers could really run away with George Kittle, though. He's super exciting on my fantasy team, so he could probably make it pretty exciting on the other side for the 49ers.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I expect this to be a crazy game because, I mean, they played the Cardinals this past week, and that was a crazy game. Their receivers, uh, who was it, Samuels, their wide receiver, number 19, he made. Do you remember that insane catch that he made? Where I don't know how he caught it. Like he had, he bobbled that thing three or four times. Like three or four chances to catch it while there's two defenders hitting him. That was insane. So I, I expect this just to be. I mean, just to be a treat for every NFL fan. It's probably gonna be the second best game we've we've seen all season.
0: Um, uh, behind but, what?
1: week one, Saints versus Texas, look at, Monday look night. At you, man. That was that was amazing. It really was. That was that was a treat.
0: Even with your bias in there. That was that was really that was really really, really fun game there to watch. So uh moving forward, we've got probably I mean, okay, look, coming into this game or coming into this season, you would say this is gonna be a really good game just knowing that the two playoff teams The Ravens travel to Los Angeles to play the Rams. Now the Rams coming off a win. They're six and four. So they're not horrible by any means. They just don't have the same appeal to them as the Lamar Jackson-led Baltimore Ravens who are just firing on all cylinders like you alluded to earlier that a team needs to be doing at this time of the season because it is crucial that you get it going and you play the way they've been playing, and so I think you're going to pick the same team. And it's I'm picking the Ravens to win this.
1: Yeah, without a doubt, the Ravens are going to win it for sure. I mean, they've just football the full head of steam, and it's it's impressive. They're they're a really good football team, offensively and defensively. I think the Baltimore's defense has what it takes to stop. Uh, the Rams' offense, because Rams' offense really hasn't been impressive. Granted, Todd Gurley did have the best game of this, best game of his season so far, um, it, but I I don't see I don't see that happening a whole lot. I know Sean McVay said after the game that their plan going forward was to keep feeding him the ball because whenever he's able to move the ball, they look like a good football team, and I agree in that aspect, but you got to have more than just Todd Gurley, and the Ravens are playing every level of football at a very high level, and the Rams, they've been able to run the ball pretty good sometimes, and that's about it.
0: The Baltimore Ravens playing every facet of football at a high level is one of those surprising aspects, not because they're a poorly run organization or it's something that that they could have never done. It just that the lev- the speed at which it came, it was supposed to be, at least in my opinion, how it was viewed was Lamar Jackson was supposed to struggle but be really good. And then kind of later on down in his career, maybe about year four, start really putting it together and start being an MVP-type guy of franchise quarterback. He looks amazing in year two. He looks like he's taken strides to make what he was at or looked like at Louisville. And now is it a just completely different quarterback and has just made some people really regret and kind of eat their words and saying him saying that he is not a uh, NFL style quarterback. In fact, he should have played receiver. I was some of the things they said, Jared Goff Again, we talked about this earlier, atrocious play lately, 11 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, He has to, and I'm sure you agree with this, he's got to take over this game. You said that it can't be only Todd Gurley, but it can't – I don't even think it could be Jared Goff and Todd Gurley. I think it has to be Jared Goff, six touchdowns. He's got to go toe-to-toe with Lamar Jackson, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Ravens are a really good football team. For any team to beat them, they have to be playing – every i mean every fast football at a very high level they have to be able to pretty much run every route on the route tree and connect they got to be able to run the seams the curls the i mean the hitches the running backs got to be able to run inside the tackles off the tackles they got to be able to run wheel routes like to stop the to beat the ravens you have to do everything i feel like because they're going to do everything against you um and I, I can't. I really can't see Jared Goff putting up a six ga- six touchdown game. I, I just can't see him stepping up to the prime time light and, I mean, just dominating the Ravens. It, it's not going to happen.
0: It would be interesting to see the Jared Goff that we've kind of come to expect the past two years. Um, and where maybe necessarily you know that he's not the best quarterback. You know, he's not a top 10 quarterback. You kind of think to yourself, wow, this guy has the potential. He's got it. He's got, you know, he's, he's got the ability, or maybe it was just me. Maybe I got suckered into it. And I kept thinking to myself, you know, this is the, I'm just forcing. It. I really wanted to be good, blah, blah, blah. But I really want to see Jared Goff of old. I want to see what he looked like last year. And I want to see Jared Goff, maybe six touchdowns. It's a little, you know, exaggeration. Maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself there. But he definitely is going to have to put up points. He's going to have to put up yards, even if it's a uh, BS metric, like I said earlier. <laughs> and Cooper Cup is going to have to step up because they're without Robert Woods and uh, Brandon Cooks. So maybe Robert Woods will be back next week. He was not playing the Baltimore Ravens or not the, uh, the Bears. For some reason, he wasn't – it was personal reason, but they're going to need more than just Todd Gurley, like you said. I 100% agree with that.
1: Yeah, and we're not even talking about probably what's going to be the most important aspect of the game is the Rams' defense. Like, they're going to have to stop Baltimore's offense. Mark Ingram (sighs) is impossible to freaking tackle. Lamar Jackson, like, you can't tackle Mark Ingram because he's going to run through you if you touch him you can't tackle Lamar Jackson cause you just can't touch him. And the Rams have really good defense. They have a lot of stars that they're paying a lot of money to. So, uh, so they, they need to perform pretty much. I mean, Jalen Ramsey needs to uh, pretty much just be a shutdown corner. They need Aaron Donald in the backfield. Like that defense has to perform on every facet because Lamar Jackson, you take away one angle, he's going to find another angle. Like, oh, you f- somehow stopped Mark Ingram, well, that's all right because Lamar Jackson can, I mean, either run it or pass it. The dude will do anything. So, I don't know. That'll be interesting. Do you think this is the best defense that they're, they've are faced so far or they're going to be facing? Or do you think that was the Patriots a couple weeks ago?
0: Oh, are you – The faced –
1: Yeah, so pretty much, is this going to be the best defense the Ravens face so far, or or was that the Patriots?
0: I am a firm believer still (laughs) that the Patriots' defense is the best in the league. but Statistically, a historically good defense. Now, they got exposed by the Ravens. But that kind of just even goes to show more so about how good the Ravens are. And you know what? We're still probably going to have an opportunity to see the Patriots and the Ravens play each other in the playoffs. It's just going to happen, it seems like. So I think that this is not the best defense that the Ravens are going to play or have played. I think it was the Patriots. I do think, though, that this Rams defense has a chance to kind of be really good except for the fact that the linebackers – is where Lamar Jackson is going to eat and feast. But Jalen Ramsey, if he can shut down, I think it's Hollywood Brown, is their number one receiver.
1: Yeah. They
0: can shut him down, and Aaron Donald's able to get in the backfield, get Lamar Jackson, and just be disruptive. There's a chance they can win this. However, if Lamar Jackson has his way, the Rams defense does not have the linebackers that can run with the set of Baltimore's tight ends. They have a ridiculous load of tight ends where they've got three, I think different guys that rotate in and out quite frequently. And sometimes they come out in two tight end sets, maybe even three tight end sets sometimes, depending on where they're at in the field or the situation. But that's where the Ravens are going to struggle, but or another Ravens, the Rams, but if Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey are able to be disruptive together, I could see the Rams somehow pull this out, but the Ravens are going to win this game.
1: Yeah, it, I, I agree. The Ravens, are, the Ravens are unstoppable. It looks like, I mean, they've ran through every opponent. They've played the season besides besides the Cleveland Browns, but um, <laughs> the aside, the Ravens are a good football team, and I just I can't see Los Angeles being the team to beat them. At least not at this point in the season. They're they're just playing too good.
0: You're not wrong, man. So I'm excited for these games. I'm always excited to sit down and talk sports with you, especially uh, every uh, primetime game each and every week. Um, so I'm going to let you go, and we're going to talk to you next week, and hopefully uh, the Baltimore Ravens are cruising along because – we both don't want our analysis to fall right through. But thanks again, always, man. And it's always great talking to you.
1: Yes. Yeah. I cannot wait till the next time because we will get to preview the Saints versus the Falcons for the Thanksgiving night game. Um, so I'm very excited for what? For us to talk again.
0: Oh, man. That's going to be an exciting game. Um, if you guys like listening to us, we have a fantasy podcast that's going to be airing on Tuesdays. Um, if you want to f- send us some tweets or ask us some questions, you can do that at In White Lines. And you can ask us any type of fantasy questions. FUD and I will be uh, making sure that we get to those. And we're really excited about that as we're both going to be taking that over and doing that moving forward. So, uh, anything else you want to say to them, FUD, before I let you go?
1: Yeah, just one correction or question. We're going to be putting that online on Wednesdays, correct?
0: Oh, yes, yes, yes. Today, yes, you're correct. It would be it would be Wednesday. You would be listening to this today on a Tuesday. So, yes, it will be tomorrow. They will be posting it. So, today, send down your tweets. Sorry. That was – it's a long night. So, thank you for correcting that, Fuddy. There
1: we go. All right. I'll talk to you later, man. Go Saints.
0: All right, buddy. See you.